0: What, a rush.
1: what is up chick foley fam we are back with part two of the pod warriors me and jordan aka the fig god aka my best friend's little side project Jordan, what is going on, man?
0: Man, things are good. Uh, a lot of people said we wouldn't make it to episode two, and to those people I say, <laughs> you were probably right, but here we are.
1: Hell yeah, we've already 100% exceeded the uh, the expectations for the first ever spinoff on the chick Foley show. Uh, I got nothing but love on the first episode of the Pod Warriors. You guys can go back and find it in the feed. We're going to make these very easy to find. On uh, They're going to be a part of the regular chick foley show feed on Spotify or Apple, wherever you happen to listen at, but we'll make sure we'll keep the title simple. they will be pod warriors, one pod warriors Two, uh, et cetera, as we keep this thing going. So if you want to uh, go back and cherry pick these, um, they'll be easy to find for you. But I, I got a lot of love from the listeners on this, Jordan, what kind of feedback did you get off our countdown of our top five favorite WrestleManias?
0: Yeah, man, it was only positive. Um, and I appreciate everybody being patient with us. I know this is our first time doing this. So, uh, we're used to having four of us, so just having two of us is uh, its definitely different, but uh, me and Seth do pretty well together. So just keep being patient with us. We'll keep these rolling as long as you guys want to keep listening. So, yeah, thanks for the feedback, guys.
1: Yeah, thanks for all the love. If you have any suggestions or stuff you guys want to hear us uh, wax poetic on, just let us know, and we will try to, try to make it happen. Uh, let's get the plugs out of the way. All of my social media is basically – Uh, shoot social media for lack of a better term. So I'm going to direct you guys to my wife, Sheena's stuff. Uh, Check out at chick Foley on Instagram. Um, Our good buddy, the MVP Marco runs the chick Foley Twitter at chick Foley show on Twitter. Um, you can find the podcast just by search. Obviously, you know, if you're listening, you know how to find it, but tell your friends, search Chick Foley on any podcast platforms. And then you could check out our Patreon at ChickFoleyShow.com and be part of our really awesome Facebook group, which is just a really, really, really fun community that we got built over there. Uh, Jordan, you want to plug your social media?
0: Yeah. So the only one I'm going to plug is my Instagram. It's the Fig God. Um, I'm getting better at posting on there. Um, I, I love doing fig hunts. So yeah, follow that and hopefully I'll find you something.
1: Yeah, and we want to remind you guys to support our presenting sponsors, Ringside Collectibles. Use code Chick Foley to save 10% on all of your action figure purchases there. And go over to Chalkline and you can use code PF10 to save 10% on behalf of the Pod Foundation. The Pod Foundation is made up of ourselves, uh, the two bad chads over at the Turnbuckle Tavern, and all the rest of the tavern members. They've really got an expansive cast going. At this point, uh, you got the extra cooler show and coming down the aisle with our good buddy, John Swallow. So just follow at Pod Foundation on Instagram to keep up with all the latest from all of our uh, our brethren over there now. So, again, this is the Pod Warriors. If you missed uh, the first episode, just a quick intro on what we're doing here. Uh, Me and Jordan have been best friends for over 10 years. We both deeply deeply love wrestling we're lifelong fans and we often have extended phone conversations about just random topics of wrestling and we thought you know we're already kind of in the in the mix of doing the podcasting let's uh let's let's keep this thing going and put some of this stuff on wax as uh, as they used to say back in the hip-hop game uh so this is going to be more of like evergreen content so again i encourage you guys uh you know to just look for the pod warrior stuff um obviously it's easy to catch up right now cuz this is episode 2 but if you jump in you know 10 episodes 20 episodes down tell your friends that they can go back and listen to this stuff because it's going to be um not super tied into the current day product it's going to be stuff that kind of just uh, sparks our passion i mean am i am i on the right track with that jordan
0: yeah so Like Seth said, this is going to be able to be a listen anytime. Um, Hopefully, some of these you'll be able to go back and listen to twice, three times. Um, But yeah, definitely refer your friends and let them know about us.
1: Definitely. Um, So again, it's going to be evergreen content, but I do want to kind of give a little bit of, uh, you know... Place and time on on these uh, on these episodes. It is April thirteenth, twenty twenty two, as we record this. Uh, Jordan, you want to take a quick trip down memory lane for this day in wrestling history?
0: Sure, let's do it.
1: All right, so going all the way back to 1964, Mo from Men on a Mission was born in Harlem, New York. So uh, happy! Let, let me do some quick math here. What is it? Happy uh, 58th birthday to uh, Sir Mo uh, Jordan. What's your favorite Sir Mo match?
0: Um, yeah, that 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 one is when he debuted. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs>
1: WrestleMania 10 against the uh, Quebecers was pretty good, right?
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, 1971, the Briscoe brothers, not uh, not Mark and Jay, Jack and Jerry, they beat Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk to win the NWA Florida Tag Team Championship. Um, let's keep it going. In 1977, Bruiser Brody beat Fritz Von Erich for the NWA American Heavyweight Championship. NWA had some crazy titles, man. Yeah. Listen to this one: 1977, Roddy Piper defeats Chavo Guerrero, not a not the Chavo Guerrero Jr. that we know. This is the OG Chavo Guerrero to win the NWA Light Heavyweight Title.
0: Wow, Chavo Classic, baby!
1: Yeah, all right. Moving into the uh, into the modern era. In 1994, Jesse the Body Ventura went over on Vince. He was awarded $800,000 in videotape royalties from uh, Vince McMahon for uh, his work on commentary on WWE. That's why a lot of those old um, late 80s, early 90s WWE events, some of them have redubbed commentary. They got um, they got Jesse Ventura out of there, man. So yeah, Jesse uh, sticking it to the man. Here's one that's right up your alley. On this day in 1994, Jordan, Diesel defeated Razor Ramon to win the Intercontinental Championship.
0: There we go. Now now we're hitting some home runs here. I'm
1: going to keep it going. 1997, ECW made their pay-per-view debut with Barely Legal. It took place in front of 1,100 fans at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
0: I remember watching that show live, actually.
1: Yeah, main event of... Uh, Main event of that show was Terry Funk winning the ECW championship in a triple threat match with Tommy Dreamer and Raven.
0: Very good match.
1: Um, let's see here. 2001, Steve Carino defeated Rodney Begnott. Okay, I don't know how that made the This Day in History list. but uh, yeah um Yeah. 2007, Johnny Swinger defeated Lee Condry for the NWA Mid-America heavyweight title.
0: Oh, yeah, there we go. Now we're getting
1: somewhere. <laughs> I'm on PW Insider's website right now. They have a This Day in Wrestling History feature, and I'm telling you, it is the most, uh, this is like the deepest This Day in History I've ever seen, man. Like, literally, if if a wrestler coughed on a day in history, they got it here on their uh, their article, man. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for notable things that happen on This Day in Wrestling History. You ready to get into some LJN talk, Jordan?
0: Yeah, man, let's do it.
1: All right, so we this episode we are going to be counting down our top five favorite LJN figures. In addition, I just really haven't discussing all things WWF LJN. So for uh, for reference, if you guys want to have something to kind of follow along as we talk about this, if you go to wrestlingfiguremuseum.weebly.com and we'll put the link in the show notes if you want to click that right now that was kind of like the main reference point that me and Jordan had as far as um just getting a quick history lesson on these figures and identifying which series was which because for me um I kind of I played with them a little bit in the 80s but I really kind of discovered this line in full force in the early 90s once it was already complete so I never really had a good knowledge of which series was which because I kind of just got all of them at once Uh, But this was the first main uh, like major wrestling figure line in North America. There were a few lines out in Japan that predated this one. But this was the first big line. It coincided with the golden era of WWF and Hulkamania, which is one of the big reasons why I think it's so beloved. In addition to the figures, just really holding up quality wise. Um, But yeah, five series released by LJN. And then there was a last series released by Crown Toys um, in Canada. Uh, Jordan, what's kind of your personal history with the LJN line?
0: So, yeah, just like you, um, I wasn't old enough to appreciate these when they were actually sitting on pegs, you know. Um, these debuted in 84. Uh, quick history lesson. I was born in 1985. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't even born when these came out. Um, by the time these ended, I wasn't old enough to really know what these were. Um, but like you, uh, early 90s, um, I, I just remember getting some of these uh, from, I mean, thrift shops, things like that. Um I mean, you know how we used to just come across these toys and stuff all the time at whether it was Goodwill, Salvation Army, whatever. Um, But yeah, uh, very cool toys, um, about as hard as a rock. So I don't know how well that would hold up to this day. But uh, yeah, very cool toys.
1: Yeah, they were they were awesome. Um, I love these things for me. My uncle, Josh, that's my uh, my mom has a younger brother who's actually about like 10 years younger than her. He's only seven years older than me. So he was really more like a big brother than a um, than an uncle. I've talked about him a few times on the pod, but he uh, he's what really kind of introduced me to wrestling. And looking back, his wrestling figure collection was kind of whack, but he did have the LJ and ring and he had about eight or nine of these figures. So that's how I I was introduced to playing with them and stuff. But then in like 92, I already had a pretty sweet fig fig going with WWF Hasbro and WCW Galoob. My cousin Greg, uh, if you guys remember last episode, he came up. So cousin Greg's randomly has got back to back uh, appearances (laughs) on the uh, Pod Warriors. He sold me and my little brother, Tad, his entire LJN collection. And if I could go back in time, I would probably just tell my younger self, like, dude, put these in a box and stick them in the attic. But we bought almost a complete set of LJNs for, oh, I want to wow. say like maybe 115 bucks, dude. It was, it was insane, man. What, uh, we paid for this set of figures and they were in really good shape too. Cause he was a teenager so these were coming out. So he bought them more for display purposes, had the ring. I had everything except for the cage. I didn't have the heart foundation and there was maybe two or three others that I didn't have, but we had pretty much the entire set of uh, LJNs and we played with them like crazy. I was, I was so captivated by these guys, I think because like the Hasbro's I had a really, really strong connection with all the characters there. So I was kind of just reenacting the stuff I was seeing on TV. But when I got these, there were people like Outback Jack and Ted Arcidi who I had absolutely no context of. So I was really kind of, it really kind of engaged my imagination, you know, and I was kind of just making up backstories and moves and stuff for these guys. Cause it was, this was in the days before YouTube or really any kind of internet. So there was no way for me to really like research and see like what these dudes were all about other than going to get an old VHS. Um, and some of the people, the LJN line was pretty deep for a short lived as it was like, they had some joggers, you know, they had guys like SD Jones and stuff that had figures. So you'd have a hard press time, even find like a VHS match of SD Jones back in, you know, 1991. Um, but these things were a ton of fun to play with. Uh, me and my brother gave these things hell. We lived ne- we lived close to some sun- uh, sand dunes in South Texas we'd go back there, just have like the craziest hardcore matches with them. We'd set these things on fire. Like it's, (laughs) it's a crying shame what we did to our LJN figure collection, but we had a blast with them. Um, Some of the most fun I've ever had playing with wrestling toys. So definitely a beloved line for good reason. Um, I still have it on my kind of to-do list to go and piece together LJN collection, but it's going to be pricey. And we'll get into that as we uh, get deeper into uh, this episode Um, But do you want to start counting down each of our top five,
0: Jordan? Yeah, let's do it.
1: All right, so we'll start off with Jordan's number five figure. Jordan, take it away.
0: So this one's a little uh, nostalgic for me because this is the first figure that I remember getting uh, as far as a wrestling figure goes. So my number five is Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, This one was produced in 1988. It was part of Series 5. Um, it's, it's really well done. The head tattoo is not the greatest, but again, this is 1988. So give him a break. Um, this is just a great figure. Bam Bam always, his outfits always popped on figures still do to this day. Um, so even though this is just one of my first figures, it's also one of my favorites of LJN. Um, just, just for the fact that I think it's a really cool looking figure. And, uh, this is a figure that I often threw at my sister's head in defense. So, I had an older sister, so I had to fight her off every once in a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, these things could be some wicked projectiles because... They were a lot of... You'll notice with um, some of the Mattel big guys, they actually feel lighter than some of the other molds because Mattel uses like hollow bodies for the big guys and stuff. So they can be a little bit airy. These things were just solid hunks of rubber. So yeah, the guys like Bam Bam, uh, Kamala, and some of the people will get as we uh, get deeper into the countdown. Yeah, they could do some serious damage. Uh, This guy's from 1988. Great figure all the way around. Uh, I love it. He was one of the ones who's prone to the LJN disease as it's known, because I believe he was molded in black rubber. I think he was black rubber that they then painted. So similar to guys like honky tonk man and some of the others, these, these ones look especially ugly if they start getting scuffed up because, uh, the ones that weren't molded in like flesh tone or whatever, um, they could look really bad once they start getting scuffed up. Cause you have that black or blue undercoat that starts coming through and it just looks funky. I, I always called it the LJN disease for, for those figures, man. <laughs> Um, All right. So one thing we want to do, obviously these are hot collectibles right now. Um, Let's play a little game here. So I went fishing yesterday, didn't catch a damn thing. But what that did allow me to do is do some extended research for this episode. So I have researched eBay prices for all of the figures on our countdown. Now, um, I didn't go too deep with it. Obviously, you could get a better price if you built some trends. Maybe looked at all the sales over the last six months. I just looked at the most recent sale for a loose that was in mint ish condition. Didn't just have to be perfect, but had to be collection worthy. What we'll call it, and then moc. So Jordan, let's hear your guess. We're going prices right style. What do you think a loose minty Bam Bam Bigelow LJN figure goes for on eBay?
0: Ooh. Um. Uh, this is just total guess, so I could be way off. I'll say $100.
1: Way off, buddy.
0: 275 oh for a Oh my losing.
1: gosh. That is what the. La- I think it's because of the LJN disease. You know what I mean? Those Bam Bams are hard to find in good condition. Now, with all the LJNs, typically, aside uh, aside from Series 6, the black cards, you can usually find beaters for like less than 40 bucks, right? And then it's up to you if you just want to accept it in its condition. There's actually a little cottage industry out there of people that repaint your LJN. So you could find a cheap one that's scuffed up and stuff and send it off somebody and they'll repaint it for you um, and get it looking minty. Um, I think we all have different, you know, different collectors will have different stance on if that's ethically responsible or not. Uh, to me, I'm cool with that. What What's your thoughts on getting LJNs repainted,
0: Jordan? I mean, these figures are so old and... There's such a limited amount of these that are probably still in mint condition, so if if you're like me, I I am an MOC fan, but obviously these on MOC would probably cost you as much as a house, Um, so you got to do what you got to do to make these look good, so I don't mind the repaints, I've seen some of them, Um, people know how to make them look good and still make them look aged, so I'm, I'm completely fine with the repaints.
1: Yeah, same here. They're so expensive and it's such a beloved line. I got no problem with somebody that wants to get one and get it. I I would say it's restored. Why don't we call it that? Instead of saying you're getting your LJN just repainted, repainted sounds so basic. What if we, uh, well, let's, let's start something here in the chick Foley fam and try to expand it out in the figure world. Let's say you're just getting your LJNs restored back to factory condition. It's the same as getting a classic car and rebuilding it, right? exactly except you're getting a toy
0: rebuilt <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, almost <so> the same.
1: <laughs> i would the one thing you got to watch out for is i guarantee you there's people out there that are going to repaint these and try to pass them off as like ogs that are just in mint condition you know so that's a little bit dicey that we definitely want to discourage anybody from misleading anyone to make a quick buck um but, uh, but yeah, I, I got no problem. People wanting to get them repaid. There was an MOC one that actually sold for 300. So that's pretty oh, wow. crazy that the loose was only 25 less. Again, I just looked at the most recent sales and with some of these, they're so, um, they're so random. Like when they come up, it could have just been, you know, a down week that nobody happened to be searching for a Bam Bam MOC that week. Uh, and that's why it went for, for cheaper. I was a little bit surprised that the loose went for 275 and it was only 25 bucks more for, for a MOC. But, uh. But yeah, that's it for Bam Bam. Great figure and an awesome way to kick off the list. So for my number five, I'm going with probably the, the one person that defines this line more than any other, the immortal Hulk Hogan, that, uh, that racist piece of shit in the words of Bret Hart. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going with the Series 1 Hulk, even though that Series 1 Hulk is arguably the wrestling figure that pops in, in the mind of figure collectors our age. If you just hear the word, you know, wrestling figure, um, I like the Series 5 one. This was from 1988. He was also released on the Black Cards in Series Six, but this is the one that's in the uh, in the tank top, and he's got the muscular pose. The the Series One Hulk had like he was he was kind of skinny, I thought, and he was in a weird like Vern Gagne like straight up grappler pose. I even though it's such a beloved figure, I actually still have a minty Series One Hulk Hogan in my figure collection. I don't love that figure. What's your thoughts on the Series One Hogan, Jordan?
0: Yeah, same. It it's a pretty plain figure. This one is a much better choice. Um, I, I like the tank top, in this one and the pose, like you said, is a lot better. Um, yeah, the, the, the head
1: sculpt's better too. Like it just it looks like Hulk, man. Like it looks like Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, um, they had two variants on this one. Go ahead, Jordan.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say we're, we're not gonna rip them too much for series one because it was the first series of uh, mainline wrestling figures in the United States. So.
1: Yeah, and I'd be willing to bet that Series One Hogan's one of probably the greatest selling wrestling figures of all time. I mean, it's it it pro- honestly it probably deserves to be at the top of this list. Spoiler alert, it's not on there, but because uh, I think we kind of went more favorite over historically significant. But Series One L.J. and Hulk Hogan, you could I would not be uh, I wouldn't argue too much with it if anybody said that it was the number one wrestling figure of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think that's arguable. Yeah, um, but for the Series 5 Hogan, there were two variants. There was a red and white, and then the classic red and yellow. So the red and yellow one is the one that is on the list for me. I just love it. It looks like P. Hulk Hogan, and uh, it's an outstanding part of anyone's wrestling figure collection. Uh, let's, play, let's play a guess of value. Jordan, what do you think a Lucy Series 5 Hogan is going for?
0: I just feel like there's going to be a ton of Hogans out there. Uh I'll say a hundred on this one as well. Very
1: close. Eighty-one bucks was the last one. Okay,
0: yeah, I figured this one. That's
1: actually uh, that's down a little bit. So I sold one. I had uh, in two thousand nineteen. I raided my parents' attic and found um, my old LJN collection. Sold off like half of them. They they were in well played in condition, so they weren't quite up to snuff for. Including in my collection Looking back now I probably should have Hung on to them And tried to get them repainted But I actually Restored sold, uh, Yeah, restored There you go Thank you Thank you I actually sold my Red and Yellow Hogan For like 165 oh. Back in 2019 um, but again, a lot of these. I, I just took the most recent listing, so these prices aren't necessarily indicative of the actual value of the figures. And there were no MOCs. I looked for the blue card and black card of uh, this version of Hogan, and there were no MOCs that have been sold in the year twenty twenty two so far. Wow! For the uh, the Hulkster, uh, let's take a brief pause before we move on to number four, uh, Jordan. I am going to ask you, what do you think was the biggest missing link, like the the biggest uh, missing piece of the LJN WWF line?
0: This one for me is easy. How did we not get a demolition smash? Like you do them having just acts is like almost unforgivable.
1: Yeah. I think this is, I would say that's not even the biggest missing link from the LJM line. That's arguably the biggest missing link from any wrestling of of the entire history of wrestling figures. Um, There were two that stood out for this line. demolition smash And also the Barbarian, but the Warlord, he had a solo run as well. So I feel like the war, even though we got a Warlord with no Barbarian from the Powers of Pain, I feel like that one's almost forgivable. And that Warlord's such a cool figure. I don't really love the Demolition Axe LJN. It's just it doesn't have like the traditional axe face paint. And it's just it's still a cool figure, but it's a little bit off. To me, I feel like it does not work at all without having uh, having Smash with him. Whereas, you know, I still have, Warlord is still a really, really cool figure by itself.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with
1: you on that one. Yeah, so I think this, this one was a pretty easy one. Um, yeah, definitely uh, Demolition Smash is the one we're missing. He was supposedly going to be a part of the next series before the line ended up just getting canceled. Um, we'll see if somehow, some way, somebody can... Uh, make it happen for us here in 2022 or beyond uh jordan give us number
0: four on your list so me and seth talked about this a little bit yesterday we're going to try to give some love to some people that probably wouldn't necessarily always make somebody's list um so for number four i went with haku um i love the paint on this fig uh his pants are awesome we don't have a whole lot of hakus either so this one holds a pretty special place for me um yeah, this is just a really good fig. I I loved Haku when I was uh, younger. I mean, I still love him to this day, but um, I remember having this figure in my collection. Um, so, yeah, this one just holds a special place in my heart because of the way it looks. And we don't have very many Hakus. So.
1: Do you have any idea where your Haku is at right now? Um, or is he just lost to the winds at this point
0: oh that, that's long gone it's probably buried in my old front yard somewhere i mean that's basically <laughs> what i did with half of my toys where i threw it out in the middle of the street and watched cars run it over yeah hawk was part of series six in
1: 1989 this was after ljn went out of business and crown toys a canadian company um picked up the last series i, I think they may have i think the figures had already been produced Crown Toys just handed the packaging and distribution of them. These were never available at retail. They were only available through mail order in the after mag, such as the Wrestler and Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So that's part of the reason why this line is so scarce and so valuable. They were just there weren't as many distributed, um, and I I'd, I'd venture to say there probably weren't as many made, seeing as how um, it was the last line and somebody kind of just picked it up to to ship it out there. Um, really cool figure. And I think you made a great point. Haku is one of the all time underrated wrestlers as far as uh, figure representation goes, man. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Luckily, Chela is going to drop a uh, Hasbro style Haku this year. Hopefully we get him in their uncensored line to get him in, you know, elite slash unrivaled form. Uh, cause he's such a cool character. And I'd really like to have a Haku to go with my Andre the Giant. I always liked the Colossal Connection tag team. Yeah. Um, in ring, they didn't really deliver that many bangers, but I just, I don't know, for some reason, I just really like that team managed by Bobby Heenan. It was a good act. Uh, let's go to guess that price. Jordan, what do you think a minty Haku is going for loose on eBay? Oh,
0: man, I would guess, man, these black cards are so tough. To, I, I'm going to guess 500.
1: Very good, man. We don't call him the Fig God for nothing. The last Loose Haku that was in good condition went for $537. Oh, yeah. There were uh, no MOCs have been sold this year, so I didn't know what a MOC Haku would go for. But, yeah, this is a very, very coveted figure. Even out of the black cards, he's up there as uh, one of the most wanted just because, one, the black cards were very limited, and he was probably like the... Uh, I don't want to say smallest star. It sounds like I'm insulting them. Everybody else was basically like main event or upper mid card. He was probably like the lowest on the card as far as the black card releases go. So I got to imagine there weren't as many that sold. And then people probably didn't hang on to him because if you're a kid, you're like, ah, you know, whatever, it's Haku and toss him by the wayside. So I think that's why he's uh, so up there in value. But He's definitely one of the most valuable LJNs that there is. So if you got a Haku uh, hanging out there and you need to make a quick buck, throw that bad boy up on eBay for sure. Uh, my number four is strictly sentimental reasons, the junkyard dog. He was part of the original series back in 1984. Um, you guys heard me at the top of the episode, uh, that my uncle Josh only had about 13 of these figures that, uh, we played with and junkyard dog was one of them. And I don't know if it was the red tights or that, you know, he was the only African American superstar. I think it was really just the figure though. He was kind of like a weighty figure. The pose he was in as far as LJN poses was, uh, super playable and I he was just pushed to the top. Like anytime I was having a battle royal, it seemed like Junkyard Dog was always going to be the one to win. I just loved playing with this this red tights toy as as a kid. I was really stoked that Mattel and the Legends line uh gave us an homage to this figure um, at the end of 2021. Uh, huge fan of this figure. I never actually had the the collar and chain as a kid though. He did he was one of the first LJNs to come with an accessory. You had Hillbilly Jim with his hat. Uh, Hogan had the belt and Junkyard Dog had his, uh, dog, his dog collar and chain. There were actually a couple variants of that too. There was a black collar and a red collar released, but, um, yeah, I was just a a real big fan of this figure as a kid. Uh, Jordan, you got any thoughts on JYD?
0: Yeah, this is a really good figure. And actually, um, there's a, uh, toy store in a, in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's about an hour from me. They actually had this on card like two years ago and I was so tempted to buy it, but and this is when like it was right at the height of COVID. So everything was so high. Like, this is right when Hasbros and LJNs and everything just boosted up so much. I want right. to say it was like 400 bucks on card. Jeez. And the card wasn't even that good. So I was like, yeah, that's probably too much. I think I offered the guy 300 and he said no. Uh, yeah. But I mean,
1: that was. That was a good call. We'll we'll get into it, but the series one, from what I could tell from the little bit of eBay research I was doing yesterday, it seems like this thing was flooded on the pegs, man. Like there is a ton of series one LJNs in circulation, and the uh, the eBay prices kind of reflect
0: that. Yeah, it's good. Fig, what though. do you?
1: Yeah, yeah, really good figs. Like I said, super playable, man. It's probably my favorite of the LJN poses. The uh, the JYD style. Uh, let's play. Guess that price, Jordan. What do you think? A loose minty. Uh, Jyd is going for. This is with the accessory, so I didn't price it without. Him. I pre- this is L- Jyd with the accessory. What do you uh, think he's going for?
0: I'll say mint Jyd is two hundred.
1: No, loose. He's going for fifty bucks with the wow. car. I told you, man. Series one is out there. So if you want to if if you're not quite trying to make the big boy purchase to do a whole set and just want to have a little LJN representation in your collection, go back and just piece together series one. It's, it's pretty economical, but yeah, 50 bucks for a loose LJN with collar. What do you think MOC?
0: Probably 150, 200.
1: 117 was the last MOC. Wow. Uh, yeah. So like I said, this, uh, you made it a good call, not, not dropping that, uh, that three hundo for, uh, for JYD, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, man, freaking uh, great figure. Uh, let's take another uh, another little break before we uh, get the countdown going again. Jordan, I want to ask you. Let's say Mattel brought these back. We know uh, we know AEW has got. Uh, I guess they've licensed the trademark for LJN because uh, they got the logo on the uh, the LJN style figures they're dropping as part of the Unmatched line. Um, Chalk line did an LJN set with the Young Bucks a couple years back, but. When, let's be honest, LJN is a WWE slash WWF product, right? Mm-hmm. If Mattel were going to bring these back with a series of four figures, who would you put in the uh,
0: the first series, Jordan? I mean, I would argue your AEW point with the only guy who has one currently is a WWE guy. So. True. Very <laughs> good point. <laughs> uh, so if I was going to do a new series, this one was pretty easy for me when you asked me this. Um, I just went with four. So, I did uh, Roman, obviously, would be the first one. Uh, I would go Brock for the second one. Uh, I go, I'm going to go Randy Orton for the third one. And then Charlotte Flair for the fourth one.
1: Ooh, having a female on the line. Join uh, Elizabeth. Huh. I like it, man. I would go Roman. I would go Cena. Hmm. I would go Brock. I think those are kind of like the three defining guys of the last five or six years. And then just as kind of to throw a bone to all the figure collectors, I would go with Demon Finn Balor. Ooh, that's a good one. I just feel like that'd be the real hook, man. I, I think they could, you know, I don't know if you'd, we'd see these things at retail again just because... Um, Bill McKean has kind of been on record as saying the cost for shipping on these things, man, they just weigh so much that if you're mass producing these, it really does add up the actual shipping costs of a line of figures like this. Uh, but I could see it as like a Mattel Creations type thing, maybe, maybe doing a concept like that. Um, but yeah, we'll see if they do it. I, I, I doubt they're going to do it. They've, it seems like their response from from Big Shot Bill and Action Figure Tech has been lukewarm at best. Anytime somebody talks about bringing back the LJNs, and they're already doing the homage to uh, to Hasbro's and to the old school Remco line, so it seems like they're fine with letting uh, letting kind of own that uh, that corner in the action figure world. What do you what do you think, Jordan? Do you think Mattel actually will ever do an LJN line?
0: No, for the exact reason you just said. Um, if they're that worried about like shipping costs and stuff like that. And I think that's why AEW did it the way they did and included one in each of the unmatched series boxes because at least it keeps shipping down a little bit. So, now I'm going to say they don't ever bring it back.
1: All right, let's have a drink before we hit our top three LJNs. I was uh, inspired by GCW, you know, for some for whatever reason, their show over the weekend was titled uh, "Devil in a New Dress." Man, so it made me think of uh, you know Kanye from "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy." It's such a great album too. That's probably I put it second to "College Dropout," just off of because uh, "College Dropout" has got a lot of sentimental value to me. What, what's your favorite Kanye album, Jordan? "College Dropout" by far. Yeah, that one. That was like right when that album came out when me and Sheena were like just getting serious. I was about to join the Navy and stuff. So like that that was actually a month before I joined the Navy was when that album came out. So uh, yeah, that one's got it. That one hits me right in the feel spot. I can if I hear a song off college dropout, it immediately takes me back to early 2004 and everything going on in my life at that point. Um, it just hits. I love Yeezus a lot too, man. I know Yeezus was kind of like a, a lightning rod for a lot of Kanye fans. I was a big fan of Yeezus, though.
0: I like all Kanye, honestly, man. Kanye just, he's, I know he's nuts now, but dude, he's always kind of just been one of my favorites. And you can always play old Kanye, dude. Kanye always hits. Oh, yeah. Did he I, I've said this before,
1: man, in private. I think this is my first time saying this on the pod. People are going to laugh. To me, like, Fifty years from now, when people look back at you know the last ten or fifteen years of music, I think the two artists who are still gonna get a lot of play oh, and God. stuff and like be historically significant is Kanye West and Taylor Swift. <laughs> 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 Taylor Swift is the best songwriter of this generation, man. I don't care what anybody says. Like she, dude, she makes hits, man. Taylor Swift makes hits, and, and Kanye's just a genius, man. So. Uh, we probably just lost like half our audience right there Jordan when they heard that but I'm telling you all if you really listen to music if you really listen to music Taylor Swift is a uh, a true artist man that's, that's Seth's uh,
0: opinion not mine <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's uh, let's get back to why we started the music in the first place man we gotta stop picking so, uh, such hot like tracks for the uh, beverage break man we're getting sidetracked <laughs> uh, the beverage break I am drinking the uh, the hottest beer in the nation right now Elsa Segundo Brewing Company, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Lager. We gave our review a couple weeks back. It's good. As far as if you want just a light, drinkable beer, it's really, really good. It's not as memorable as the IPA, but I don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's just supposed to be a really nice, crushable beer, and that's what it is. What are you
0: sipping on, Jordan? So I am sipping on a beer called Brewligans. Uh it's based out of second shift brewing in St. Louis. I actually picked this up on uh, Royal Rumble weekend, and I found it last night when I was going through the garage. So this is a hazy New England style IPA. Um, it's brewed in collaboration with the St. Uh That's the official fan club of the St. Louis football club. So I didn't even know this when I bought it, but pretty cool.
1: Hell yeah, man. That actually, like timed out perfect to go back to the music like right when it hit that beat drop where the guitar solo before rick ross comes in is when you started talking about the beer i was like like fucking primo dude that was beautiful
0: the boss
1: (laughs) all right let's get back to some wrestling figure talk the the hardcore wrestling fans are like what the fuck (laughs) this was supposed to be the show for the hardcore fan these guys are talking about beer Seth's talking about fucking Taylor Swift, like <laughs> what is going on here? But we told you guys, this is going to be just like me and Jordan's, uh, me and Jordan's kind of phone conversations just on, on record now. And this is the way the, uh, the convos go. Yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll try to uh, bring you guys some unique music choices uh, on, on these Pog Warrior episodes as well. This
0: is going to go off the rails quite often. Just there's going to be 10 minute stints where there's no wrestling <laughs> talk. It'll be Seth singing Taylor Swift or something. Just Just <laughs> give it time. It's going to get worse.
1: We're lucky, dude. We still haven't had a segue where we go into Super Bowl 51. That's no, coming. No, at some no, it's point no, we, may, no, it's we, may need, we may need to just do like a whole episode on that sometime, just reliving that trauma. Just rip the mandate
0: uh, off in one episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the figures. Jordan, give us your number three.
0: So um, I have professed my love for this guy many times on the Chick-fil-A show. Um, I, I still don't understand how we do not have a Mattel of this guy, but, uh, my number three is the one man gang. Um, this fig- George, this figure, I mean, dude, just look at this figure. I hope you guys are like kind of following along with us and looking at the figures as we go. He, he's flexing basically in, in the package. Uh, he's got the jean jacket on all black dude. One man gangs, uh, attire just. It always resonated with me. Mohawk, just a big, huge dude. I, I don't know, awesome man. Work, man. He's awesome just, work. and he's easily believable. Like you can believe this dude would absolutely kick the shit out of you, right? I mean, there's there's no doubt that this What's is just a guy. name
1: one man gang. You're like, yeah, okay, I get it. He's a one man gang.
0: And dude, he, I mean, he had Slick as his manager. Like, dude, like this is a dream team right here. Like this this is great. Um, but yeah, this figure to me is one of the best ones um i don't have it but I, i'm gonna eventually go back and get it but i mean yeah th- this is just one of my favorites
1: yeah he was 1989 series 5 another one that does suffer from the ljn disease so because he's got the black t-shirt underneath the uh, denim vest and the black pants they decided to cast him in black rubber so uh he is susceptible to the ljn disease but other than that great figure Sizable, Like you said, the big guys really stand out in the LJN line. Um, I'm kind of going to piggyback on that with my number three choice as well. I love the pose, too, because he's super playable. I remember um, he was perfect for doing like a top rope splash and doing the avalanche in the corner. Uh, Just, again, really, really playable figure. I do got a question, though, for you, Jordan, because it was right around this time frame that one-man gang had a pretty drastic uh, gimmick change, becoming the African dream, Akeem. Let me ask you this one, man. If you could swap out the one-man gang and get Akeem instead in this line, would you do it? No.
0: One-man gang was always my favorite out of the two characters. I I don't know. I, that might be a hot take, but I, I always loved one-man gang. He was always one of my they're, favorites.
1: They're both great. They're both great gimmicks. Um, I preferred Akeem just because he was... He was funny, and as far as figures go, he was a little bit more colorful. I think in a vacuum, I would take an Akeem figure over a one-man gang, but we've gotten Akeem in the original Mattel Legends line. We had an Akeem Hasbro. We had Akeem in Classic Superstars. One-man gang is kind of the same vein as Haku. He's a little bit underrepresented in the figure game, so that's why, as far as LJNs go, I'm glad we got one-man gang instead of Akeem. Uh, There was a one-man gang prototype made in the... Mattel Legends line, but it didn't release. I think his uh, whatever his Legends contract ran out or whatever, and for it just hasn't been renewed since then. So I'm still hopeful that we can get Gang in the Mattel line because yeah, as far as mid mid to late '80s go, he's he was one of the top heels and uh, just a really really cool character and a good wrestler too. Man, he was he, he was good. I'm surprised he never really did a whole lot after that mid '90s run in WCW. He went you know he was akeem in WWE and then he went and had an, uh, another brief run as one man Gang. He kind of just fell off. He was on the Indies for a while and just kind of hanging out in Louisiana now. So uh, really, really iconic performer, though, as far as mid-card heels go from back in the 80s. Uh, let's play guess that price. Jordan, what do you think a loose, minty one-man gang is going for?
0: Okay, I got to stop saying 100 and 200. I got to go with some uh, odd numbers in there. So I just don't think this one's going to be over 100. So I'll say, I'll say one-man gang is 85.
1: One twenty five.
0: Wow. Remember, man, the, the LJN
1: disease is a real thing, dude. It's hard to find these guys in minty condition like you could have a, uh, a one man gang that's kind of been played with just as much as, you know, a JYD. And that one man gang is going to look significantly worse because of because uh, of those scuffs and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So one twenty five for a Lucy. Guess what the last MOC one man gang went for?
0: Can't imagine these are very common because again, this is not like a a main card wrestler. So I'll say, say five fifty. Very good, man. Five hundred bucks
1: oh. is what he went for. So, okay. well, uh, I got a theory on why he's so much so so expensive compared to uh, his kind of place on the card. That I'm going to drop after I we talk about my number three, which is King Kong Bundy. So. Uh, King Kong Bundy again this dude was a true main eventer back in the day a lot of people just remember him as kind of like a bumbling heel in the mid card during the new generation when he was part of the million dollar corporation with uh, with Ted DiBiase feuding with the Undertaker he's actually one of Undertaker's Wrestlemania opponents at uh, Wrestlemania 11 uh, which I think is probably the worst Wrestlemania ever but King Kong Bundy was a legit main eventer main event in Wrestlemania 2 in a steel cage match against Hulk Hogan, the uh, only time a steel cage match has been the main event at Mania. Pretty fun little feud, and as far as the eighties Hogan match goes, it was a pretty good match at WrestleMania 2 as well. Uh, he was part of Series Two in nineteen eighty five. I loved playing with this figure as a kid. This thing was huge. Uh, I don't, you know, I've never seen this scientifically proven, but I'd be willing to bet he is the heaviest action figure ever made. I mean, this thing was just an absolute solid block of rubber. It's it's insane, man, the uh the size of this figure. We talked earlier about these things being good weapons if you're fighting with a uh, a sibling. Um again, we want this stuff to be evergreen, but we will occasionally date it with topical events. So, you know, the war in Ukraine is going on right now, and kind of the big reason why it's kind of just lingering is that, you know, NATO and the United States, we don't want to help out Ukraine because Russia has nukes, right? That's always a threat. King Kong Bundy was like the nuke of, uh, of like toy weapons as a kid, man. You, uh, you know, if, 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 if you were holding it or if your brother was holding it, it definitely kept you in check for what you were going to do to push the limits because you did not want to take that thing. It didn't have to be a headshot, dude. Take, if you try to run away, take a King Kong Bundy to the spine. That could be life altering injuries right there, man. This thing was rock solid, um, But, yeah, he had a cool pose, too, with just, like, the arms down, kind of like the big brute, like, gorilla pose. Uh, So, he was perfect for doing the avalanche and doing splashes and stuff. I just love this figure. Uh, What about you, Jordan?
0: So, this is actually one of the ones I also remember having. Um, Like you said, this is a great figure. The pose is phenomenal. I don't know, man. Now that, like, as I get older, I, I, like, realize, like... I liked a lot of the bigger wrestlers. So I guess I am a Vince McMahon guy. Like, that's what he prefers. And I guess that's what I prefer, too. As far as my wrestlers go, I prefer the bigger guys. So, um, yeah, King Kong Bundy was the walking condominium. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, there's not much you can say about King Kong Bundy that hasn't already been said. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just echo everything you said and say great choice for your number three figure.
1: Yeah, whether it's LJN's, Hasbro's, Mattel's current line, I'm definitely a uh, a little bit of a size queen when it comes to my <laughs> wrestling figures, man. I just I love the super heavyweights, man. Earthquake, Typhoon, Yokozuna. Uh, something about the the super heavyweight figures just really captivates me, man. Um, I love them. Uh, let's go guess that price. So this is I, I was, this is probably the biggest variance you're going to see between loose and moc, and, and I'll get into my theory for that afterwards um jordan what do you think a loose minty king kong bundy is going for
0: man i just cannot imagine this would go for much i'll say 50
1: yeah 32 bucks it's definitely the lowest of the loosey so far uh series two they're probably just a cunt hair below series one as far as like production levels go from what i could tell from my research they these things were plentiful on the pegs like i think these these were like one of those toy lines from when we were kids in the 90s jordan that Pretty much anytime you wanted to, you could go to Toys R Us and just buy them. They're going to be there. It's not like it is nowadays where you got to know somebody that works there. You got to be checking the pegs every day. Like if you want a King Kong Bundy, you could go in and get them. So thirty two bucks. Uh, what do you think a moc Bundy is going for? Mm, I'll say two hundred. No, four hundred dollars. Wow, really? So we heard, uh, you know, we heard the last one King, uh, one man gang was going for 500. This one was 400. So in doing some research on this one, there were issues with King Kong Bundy, even back in 1985 and 1986 of this thing separating from the card. Cause the figure was so heavy. Oh yeah, He's hanging on a peg. The bubble would just separate off of the card and rip. Sometimes the figure would completely, it would completely separate and you'd have a figure, you know, in the middle of the aisle at toys or us or whatever. Um, so that's why I think there are so few MOC Bundys left. you either had to be lucky and get one that had like, you know, the glue just had a solid seal on it or, you know, for whatever reason, it never went on a peg and was just laid down. I just don't think that there's a lot of MOC Bundys remaining because of the weight of the figure putting that stress on the cardboard card. And I think that One Man Gang is probably similar, you know, because One Man Gang, he's not as heavy a figure as Bundy, but he's still it's a pretty big figure, man.
0: Yeah, so that's a really good point. I didn't think of that. And I'm guessing this probably set on the pegs for a while. I'm guessing this wasn't what everybody was reaching for, even out of this series. Uh, yeah, he's a heel, man. Back in the day, like heel figures just
1: didn't sell the same. Like you would get a Bundy, but if you're only going to store and getting two figures, you're gonna grab Hogan and you know Jimmy Snooker before you grab King Kong Bundy.
0: Yeah, so I never bought one of these on card when I was a kid. I got all mine from Goodwill. So that tells you how overproduced these were because, right. I mean, every time I went to Goodwill, there was another wrestling fig and it was always an LJN. So guess what I got every time I went to Goodwill or Salvation Army? Another wrestling fig.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. These things, yeah, they were definitely plentiful. And even now, if you're cool to get the beat up ones to just have or to restore, you can find beat LJNs for like less than 30 bucks, almost every single figure. So these are. It's really when you start getting the ones that are in good condition. This becomes such a pricey line, but yeah, the '80s were just a true golden. The '80s and really the the first half of the '90s were just such a golden era for toy sales. Man, like going back to Toys R Us, you just had so much more shelf space and just such a retail imprint for people to go in and buy toys. Um, yeah, I wish I could go back now. Looking back, I definitely took it for granted. Like think about like the Jack specific days. When they were first coming out you remember like the spread of figures at toys r us and like the wrestling figure section
0: oh yeah those the pegs were always full of jacks they, there was never a time where you weren't finding a bunch of pegs uh, sitting on the pegs at toys r us when it was jack superstars i do miss oh, yeah. that i i miss walking in and just be able to grab whatever you wanted
1: i know i mean i re- it's gotten better here in the last like 12 to 18 months but There was a time a couple years ago, you were excited if there were any elites even on the pegs when you went to the store. Yeah. All right. So, before we get to our top two, uh, we'll take a little, uh, go a little bit on an eBay sidebar here. Um, We talked earlier about Hulk Hogan Series One. He is the most expensive uh, MOC LJN purchase there is right now, which I was surprised. I figured there'd be a ton of these, but a straight up Minty MOC. Hulk Hogan Series 1, recently sold on eBay for $10,000.
0: Wow.
1: I know, man. That just goes back to what we said about that being like the most iconic wrestling figure. This thing wasn't autographed. It wasn't PSA graded, but it was in like perfect condition, right? Cardboard crisp. The bubble wasn't cloudy or oxidized. Figure inside was really good. But still, it was just a straight up MOC Series 1 Hogan. 10000 bucks it sold for.
0: Man, that's crazy. Yeah,
1: let's play guess the price on the ring. What do you think the a minty LJN
0: ring is going for, Jordan? Man, I don't even know how rare the ring is. Um minty ring, I'll say I'll say 400 on the ring three hundred and ten bucks loose okay and
1: there was one moc that i could find it wasn't even the true moc but it was the box um that had been open but the box was still there it went for 404 dollars it was a great ring man i love the ljn ring it got brought back when jacks um got the license that i guess somehow or another they acquired the molds for the ljn ring and basically re-released the same ring it was super sturdy it was giant you could fit a ton of these figures in them uh what, what were your thoughts on the ljn ring jordan
0: yeah, it's really cool, and just kind of looking at it, um, I mean, that that's basically what Hasbro based their ring off, too, is the Jan ring. Um, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I wish I had this because I, I like the white ring. I think that's really cool. Um, but, yeah, really cool ring. I, $310. Oh, that's crazy. That's a lot, especially because you're going to either have to –
1: The ropes have just lost their elasticity. That's just the nature of elastics, you know, 30 years later. So you would either have to redo the ropes or your ropes are going to kind of look like crap. Um, The steel cage accessory that they released for it, I couldn't find any moc. There was one loose in perfect condition that sold for five hundred dollars. Which oh, wow. I know that's a rare piece, man. Because I've been deep in the wrestling game basically my entire life. I have never seen this thing in person. I, I, I never had it as a kid. That was the one thing I didn't have. I had an LJN ring. Never had the cage, and I've never even seen the cage in person at all the toy cons and rest and you know toy shops I've gone to. So that would if I end up you know. I I probably won't get this, but if I end up, you know, winning the lottery or something and can fulfill my my fantasy of having like, you know, an outdoor barn just full of uh, wrestling figures and stuff, man, I'll probably go back and try to try to get this LJN ring and cage. But it is pretty sweet. It's the uh, the old school solid blue steel cage, man. Um, It would be a very cool piece to have. Uh, Let's get back to the countdown. Jordan, give us your number two figure
0: so for number two i went with uh series three um that was made in 1986 i went with the macho man from series three um yeah i love this look on a figure i mean even on any figure to this day uh, the pink trunks just it always hits different i mean um, I, the other thing is, too, is I remember having this figure as a kid, so that definitely elevates it for me. Um, and, and this is still one of the ones that I see people wanting to this day uh, just because of the, the look of it. I mean, pink trunks, pink knee pads, yellow boots. Yellow bandana. It's just got the bicep pose, get, got the glasses on. It's just, it's a great figure. Um, they did a good job for, with his likeness. Um, yeah, this is just a great figure. I don't really have to go into a lot of detail on this because everybody loves Macho Man. I mean, I don't know very many people that don't like Macho Man. So if you're one of those people, let us know. But I, I, macho, if you don't like Macho Man, fuck you, turn the podcast <laughs> off right now. I mean, I wasn't going to go that far, but uh, I will. Yeah, th- this is just great. Uh, so, yeah, th- that that's my reasoning for this is my number two. I don't feel like I need to go too much into detail with it.
1: Yeah, I, I love this figure. You could put it right up there with the Series 1 Hulk Hogan. Maybe the Series 1... Hasbro Ultimate Warrior as far as like the all time iconic wrestling figures. Like I said, if you hear you hear the phrase wrestling figure, this is one of the first images that flashes in your mind. Uh our friends at the uh the major wrestling figure podcast, they did their just collect shirt and they had like the NBA logo style. It was the silhouette of the Macho Man L J N. So that's how iconic this figure is. Um Great look for Macho Man, great figure, really absolutely zero negatives to this one. Uh, let's play Guess That Price. What do you think a loose LJN Macho Man is going for, Jordan?
0: In mint condition, like I said, because it's still kind of sought after to this day, uh, I'll say $125. $46. Wow there's just a ton
1: of these man I think it's just I think it's just the amount that's in circulation is what it is you know what I mean there's so many of these out there um, it's so plentiful I think that's why the value is not super high MOC is a different story though MOC Macho Man what do you think is going for it? 400 $681 <laughs> jeez I think everybody that was getting these was opening them up and playing with them, man. It's such a playable figure. I just don't think there's a lot of MOCs out there. So I think it's kind of similar to the Hulk too. You know, it's such a it's such an iconic uh, wrestling figure that I think to have a minty MOC version of it is just really drives up the value, even though it's probably higher circulation than some stuff like you know like a Haku or even like a Bam Bam Bigelow. But yeah, six hundred eighty one bucks for a. Uh, M O C L J and Macho Man. That's definitely too rich for my blood, but it would be an awesome piece for any uh, wrestling figure collection.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: All right, so I cheated on my number two. Uh, you know, to give you guys a peek behind the curtain, me and Jordan we shared our top five with each other before we recorded this, just so we could kind of each have some thoughts together uh, for what we were going to be discussing. But I love the LJN line so much. I love these figures I'm about to talk about so much. And I just wanted to find a way to kind of cram in a uh, a few extra figures. So in my defense, these guys were an on-screen act at the time the figures released. I'm doing a three-for-one special. So my number two is the British Bulldogs and Captain Lou Albano. Uh, The Bulldogs, because I just play with these figures a ton for whatever reason. These ones really jumped out to me kind of the same way I mentioned earlier with uh, with the Junkyard Dog, I've always loved tag teams in action figure form. And these were really like the first ones I had is LJN. You know, they would also have the Heart Foundation, the Killer Bees, uh, the Dream Team with Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. But the Bulldogs were always the ones I kept going back to and playing with a ton as a kid. And then Captain Lou, I just love this Captain Lou figure. He's in the short list of my most wanted for Mattel to get the rights to to release. I'd love to get a Captain Lou figure in elite form. Um but I love Captain Lou and I always was just really really um into this figure uh as a kid. These were all three of them were released in series 3 in 1986. The Bulldogs had individual releases and then they were also released in a box set as a tag team with the tag team belts. Uh Jordan uh what do you think of uh Captain Lou and the Bulldogs?
0: I like it. Um this is a good choice you did cheat, but good choice. Um I mean how can you not like British Bulldog Dynamite Kid and Lou Albino? I mean I, I, I it doesn't get much better than that, does it? I mean th- these guys are awesome. The the poses are great. Um like you said they they were good enough to get a tag team pack and a singles, so do you prefer I mean I know it's the same fig, but would you prefer the tag team pack or the singles?
1: I like the carding better on the singles. I wasn't a huge fan of the box sets, but I still go the box set because they come with those tag team belts.
0: Yeah, I agree. I would definitely go with the box set just for that exact reason.
1: Well, hold that thought. All right. Oh, uh, here we go. Let's get, get in a guess that price. What do you think Captain Lou is going for loose?
0: I can't imagine this one's very expensive uh,
1: 65 17 bucks man a minty Captain Lou
0: man that's cool. I don't know
1: I don't know if Captain Lou's just been forgotten by the hands of time or or what but there were a ton I was really surprised it wasn't just one because I was like that seems so low to me that I was like man that seems kind of off. but even going beyond it like 23 27 bucks like you can get a minty loose Captain Lou LJN for very cheap. And then uh, MA, MOC, he's going for about 140, man. 139 was the most recent. But, yeah, they are all around, like, between 130 and 145 for the uh, MOC, Captain Loose. All right, let's do the Bulldogs, man. This one's going to be interesting. What do you think the Bulldogs go for,
0: Loose? Man, now you got me questioning everything. This, uh, man, Captain Loose. This is
1: as a set. As I, I look for these as a set. So the Bulldogs as a set,
0: Loose. I was going to guess 75 each, so I'll say 150. No, you can get the Bulldogs loose for 30 bucks. Both of them? Both of
1: them. This is the set. You can get the set loose for 30 bucks. I think they were just kind of so plentiful because they had the box set release and the individual carded ones. With the belts, you can get them for 85 bucks loose, man. And these are minty sets. Yeah, Like you can go if, if anybody wants to check this out, just search like British Bulldogs LJN and then on eBay, on your filters, go to sold and completed listings. And you can see kind of what we were going off of for our research on this. Let me hit you with this, though, Jordan. MOC in the box. So this is the two pack with the belts. What do you think the Bulldogs went for? MOC.
0: Hmm, MOC. Uh, gosh, this is all gas 600. Nine hundred. Okay, well at least I was closer on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, the box set tag teams go for a shitload. Uh if anybody's been listening to the main uh Chick Foley show, you guys know Brett Hart is my absolute all time favorite wrestler. Even though I'm not a huge fan of the figures, um I've been on the lookout for like a LJN box set and Heart Foundation, but it's just too high, man. Like I think I saw one for seven hundred bucks a couple years ago. Um, and that was too much for me. Nowadays the Heart Foundation box set goes for like twelve hundred bucks, so Pretty wild. Um, before we get into our number one choice, which, spoiler alert, me and Jordan agreed on the number one best LJN, let's talk about the worst. Jordan, what do you think was the worst figure in the LJN line? This
0: one's easy for me. The Rickroot is god-awful. It's the only LJN that you can't use their arms. His LJN, <laughs> the arms are anchored to his tights. What a, <laughs> what is even the point of that figure at that point? I
1: it, mean, that is a Rick Rude pose, man. I, don't I feel like care. I'm almost an apologist for that figure. I don't mind the pose. I hate the gear, man. I feel like he had so much awesome gear in the '80s. I don't know what the hell that gear is that he that they picked out for him.
0: I don't like anything about it. Like I, I mean, the whole thing to me is garbage. Like I, I just, I, I, I get it's his pose, but dude, you literally can't even use his arms. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah it's true he's not playable at all
0: like, it's just like a torpedo
1: <laughs> he was doing tope suestidas before it was even a thing
0: off the roof
1: <laughs> uh, mine is really more of just a strictly personal choice man it was the series one andre the giant so this is old school andre in the trunks with the white guy afro um By the time I was playing with these figures, I only knew Andre as the one-strap singlet guy, you know, WrestleMania three heel Andre. So it was confusing to me and I just hated it because even though obviously Andre had a legendary career before he turned heel and went to the the famous one-strap look, I didn't know him as that and it just always bugged me. Like I remember my uncle having to explain to me I was like, what the hell? Why is this Andre the Giant, you know, and him kind of explains to me and it just never made sense and I was just not a fan of that figure at all as a kid. So, for me series 1 Andre was my least favorite uh LJN. Uh Jordan Reagan into the tippy top of the list. This is the mountain top of the list. Let's do it. Yep, it's time to load the spaceship with the rocket fuel. Jordan, let him know what our unanimous choice for the best LJN ever is.
0: I mean, I thought this was a little homerish by me, but then Seth said it too. So I was like, I hey, must not be that bad. Uh, Ultimate Warrior.
1: I, I love it, man. I love it, dude.
0: Th- this figure is killer. Like, everything about this is awesome. Like, dude, if you don't, I-, I-, I get people don't like him as a person and him as a wrestler, but his look, if you're honestly going to tell me that someone looked better than Ultimate Warrior in 1989 you can go fuck yourself. Like this is the best thing ever. Like I don't care what anyone says. His look is just so iconic. Like I was actually watching a superstars last night and they had all the kids in the, the ultimate wear face paint and stuff. And he's meeting with all of them. And I was just like sitting there thinking like, dude, if he would have pulled me up on that stage probably would have pissed my pants first of all (laughs) (laughs) but then i would have regrouped and thought of another plan uh yeah this figure is just phenomenal orange trunks um face paint tassels this is just this is the creme de la creme i do not own this figure it's just the pricing on this is outrageous and we'll get into that but yeah I, i don't know man this one to me is just the best one as far as look and everything
1: Yeah, I I, I remember this was my most played with as a kid. Um, I'll take it a step farther. Jordan, you said it was all about the look. I think it was the energy, man. Even though, yeah, he only had a couple really, really great matches. The actual energy he brought to all his performance, though, was just totally captivating, man. It was... uh, He was just a star, man. He was a star of the highest level. And the cool thing about this figure... It really depicts him in his like intercontinental championship run before he became you know world champ at WrestleMania six. So this was kind of like when he was at his most over. You know the the rose hadn't fallen off the bloom yet. People were still just loving all things Ultimate Warrior. Um, just a cool figure, man. It's unique with the black boots. I'm not even hundred percent sure if he ever even wore black boots in a real match, but I think that's something that kind of sets the figure apart. The orange trunks and the face paint. It's just. The pose too, right? The pose is perfect for hitting like big clotheslines and stuff. Uh I just love it, man. Like it is it's one of my favorite wrestling figures ever. I've definitely before all said and done, I'm gonna go back and grab one of these uh to just have in my collection. Even if I don't grab the rest of the LJNs, I'm gonna grab a warrior and make it part of uh part of the collection because I just love this figure. It was part of, it was part of the uh the black card series in 1989. Last series LJ ends, and it's such a quality figure. It really makes you bummed because you want to. You wonder what would have happened if they could have kept the line going another couple of years. You know.
0: Yeah this this is a great way to end the line though. I mean, this whole set is really good, and it's obviously one of the most valuable ones outside of uh, Rick Rude. But uh, the rest of this set is just it's such a good set of figures. I mean they they did really put everything into this set. And it really does suck that this is the last one, especially considering uh, Demolition Axe is in it. So it's like, man, if we'd have got seven, we probably have got smashed. And though. Warlord, Warlord was in this one too. Yeah, just it sucks, man. It's just really unfortunate. The Andre is great. This this series is just big boss, man. Yeah, Haku. We already talked about this. This whole set is just so good. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't get any better than the Ultimate Warrior in figure form for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's a, a great figure, one of the best ever. Uh, let's get into guess the guest of value. There were no MOCs that have been sold so far this year. So just Lucy. What do you think Warrior's going for, Lucy, on eBay, Jordan?
0: I mean, I'm going to have some sort of an idea on this because I have a saved search. But I mean, I guess I don't pay attention to the sold listings. Uh, the last one that I saw was 450 I mean, I don't know if that's even close to the one you saw, but the last one I saw was 450 so it would look like it was a little bit
1: of a one-off. There was one that went recently for 275, but typically these things have been going for the, to the mid 300s to the mid 400s. Um, so, yeah, you, you're going at least two. If You could probably find one of these for 250 if you're lucky, but be planning on spending at least three bills for the most part if you're going to find a uh, LJ and Ultimate Warrior in any kind of good condition. Even the beat ones are going
0: for 100 plus, man. God, it is. It's just such a good figure. I mean... This one's pretty tough to, to think anything's better than this one to me, so yeah for sure
1: um we got a little bit of q a from the foley fam for this one uh first off i want to thank zach herzer and johnny jb they both had questions that we kind of asked uh, they both had asked questions that we kind of answered through the uh course of the episode but thank you guys for reaching out and showing love anyways let's start with uh brian vermeer he asked do these need to be remade without nostalgia goggles on everyone has tried to do this love letter to ljn but they were not good they peg warm like a champ. I love my childhood ones because they're my childhood and I buy the AEW at a FOMO, but if they didn't make them, I wouldn't miss them. So what do you think, Jordan? Should these things be remade?
0: Uh, it, it's tough because I feel like if they did remake them, they would have to charge a premium for these. Cause like you said about the shipping and stuff like that. And I feel like if they had to charge a premium up to like $40, I don't know if I'd be in play for those. Um, I, have they aged the greatest? No. Are they the greatest looking figures? No. I it's mean, all about the nostalgia. Yeah, it, it really is. And it, I mean,
1: there's zero playability also. So there's no appeal to these for like little kids nowadays. This is strictly a collector's item. Yeah,
0: I would say th- no, probably not. This would probably not be something that they, they should remake.
1: Yeah, I will always say yes, just because I'm of the opinion that the more figures, the better. From a business standpoint, it's iffy. I think, like we talked about in the middle of the episode, a Mattel Creations execution could work, um, but they need to be authentic. Even with the ones AEW is dropping right now, the scales off from original LJNs. They're a little bit smaller, which was the same thing with the Jack specific LJNs. They were just a t- they were just small enough to where they don't quite fit in with the original LJN line, right?
0: hmm. And yeah. it
1: just that, that just makes it not connect as much. So um, if they are going to be remade by Mattel or whoever, I want to see 100 uh, percent, you know, authent authenticity, make them back in scale with these. But outside of a Mattel Creations execution or something like that, I don't really see it happening in the near future. Uh, Tony B, man, Tony Barker had a fun one. He said, if you could be immortalized in LJN
0: form, what would your pose be and what kind of gear are you rocking? Ooh, Tony with the banger question. Um, I'm going uh, S&M like demolition. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ball gag. <laughs> I would probably go, um, I mean, I'm big dude season. I don't care. I let it all hang out. I'll wear some uh, Speedos to the ring. I don't care. Uh, I would probably wear like uh, basketball shorts like Owens though. Cause I mean, that's usually what I rock anyway. Um, yeah. I would probably go basketball shorts. I ain't doing a t-shirt F that. I'm letting it hang out. Um, I I would probably do some sort of face paint to as an homage to the warrior. Um, I don't know how close I would get to it, but I would definitely do face paint and basketball shorts for my, my look and I would be flexing for sure. Hell yeah.
1: I always said my gimmick, if I was a pro wrestler would be, I would take the, the the dirty white boy that Tony Anthony was doing, but turn it up a notch and basically be like a redneck me- redneck Sandman, like uh, kind of like Steve Austin, but just be like a, a shit heel. Um, so I'd, I'd go like some cut off denim shorts and like a sleeveless t shirt, man, for for my pose. Um, I'd probably go with the warrior pose, man. I think that was the most playable. So I think that would get me a few extra uh figure sales just being in a nice playable pose uh if I was an LJN. But yeah, thanks Tony. That was a a really good question. All right, last question. We are coming from Matt Carlos. He wants to know out of the the best non-LJN LJN figures. So we had WCW's original San Francisco Toy Makers the Jax Classic Superstars, the AEWs, or when Chalkline um, did that Young Bucks set. Uh, Jordan, I'll let you go first.
0: What? What? I'm picking which ones I like the best out of those. Yeah, the best non-LJN version of the LJNs. I'll go with the Jax ones just because I, I think they did the, the best out of all of them, honestly, so far. Um, I mean... I just remember getting a few of those and I feel like those were as close as we're going to get. Yeah.
1: Have you unboxed any of the Jazzwares LJNs? I have not. I haven't either. The only ones I've had are are MOC. So I haven't had the feel of them yet. From what I've heard, the feel is not the same to me. That's the biggest thing I can almost forgive the scale issue just because I know even like making them a little bit smaller could probably be monumental on saving on the shipping costs on these things and make them more feasible to be on cards and stuff, um, on the pegs. But to me, you know, the OSFTM, they were the first ones after LGNs that were in that style, just a big block of rubber. They were super stiff, man. The LGNs, they had some bendability. Obviously they had no articulation, but you could bend those figures, right? You could bend the arms, you could bend the legs to, if you wanted to, uh, I feel like all the ones since then have been super stiff. The the Jazzwares, or the, excuse me, the Chalkline LJNs, the Young Bucks set; those were like basically the exact same type of rubber as the OSFTM. So I still don't know that we've had a true homage to the LJNs. What about with how were the Jax Classic Superstars? What was the feeling on those ones?
0: I feel like some of those were at least movable. I don't feel like they were as stiff as the the Chalkline remakes, um, but. Man, that's been a while, dude. It, it, it's really hard for me to remember all this stuff. You know how many beers I've drank since then?
1: Do you still got that, uh, the Trish Stratus that I got you at WrestleMania 31?
0: Oh, yeah, that's still in box. Crossside Trish, that's still in box.
1: <laughs> yeah, my favorite is definitely the OSFTM. I'm in the process of finishing up my WCW Galoob set, and I think the next set I'm going to move on to is the WCW OSFTM of that style figures. I love those figures back in the day even though they weren't a hundred percent true to the LJM line because they were a lot stiffer, but I really enjoyed all those figures and uh, I like that time period of to WCW. So I'll go with those just out of, uh, for sentimental purposes, but I don't think we've gotten a true solid, uh, solid LJN remake, man. I think it's still uh, that, that cherry still waiting to be picked. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap for pod warriors. Number two. Thank you guys so much for all the support. Uh, please let us know what you liked or didn't like about this episode. And if it's any topics that you want us to tackle going forward, uh, hit us up. Reminder to use code Chick Foley at Ringside Collectibles to save 10% on all your figure purchases. And use code PF10, courtesy of Pod Foundation, to save 10% at Chalkline. Uh Jordan, hit us with the closing thoughts for our second Pod Warriors episode.
0: All right, so we're going to try to make this a thing. So every week I'm going to give you guys a piece of advice and then I'm going to sign it out with what we're going to do for the song and why we decided on the song uh, piece of advice can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning and <laughs> as far as the song this week uh these ended in 1989 sadly uh we were four years old so we were just a little slap nuts at that time so it's been a while um we went with the 1989 song and uh it's Bismarcky. so you guys enjoy and we'll we'll talk to you again soon Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date? But a year to make love, she wanted you to wait. Let me tell you a story of my situation. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. Nation. The way that I met her was on tour at a concert. She had long hair and a short miniskirt. I just got on stage dripping, pouring with sweat. I was walking through the crowd, and guess who I met? I whispered in her ear, come to the picture booth so I could ask you some questions to see if you're 100 proof. I asked her her name, she said, Blah, blah, blah. She had nine, ten pants and a very big bra. I took a couple of foot since she was enthused. I said, how do you like the show? She said, I was very amused. I started throwing bits She started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. Then when I asked, do you have a man? She tried to pretend. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. Come on. I'm not even going for it. is what I'm going to say. You, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend, and you say he's just a friend.